Bismillah walhamdulillah wa salatu wassalamu ala rasulillah Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh How's everybody doing? Alhamdulillah, fantastic So today inshallah ta'ala we are covering uh, This I believe is part 3 and we are covering ayat uh, 6 to 10 inshallah ta'ala in surah Naba Allah ta'ala says Alam naj'alil arda mihada Have we not made the earth a resting place? So Alam uh, naj'al uh, Ja'ala is to make Al-Ard, the earth uh, Mihad is the key word that I really want to focus on Mihad means a smooth plain or a resting place It's related to the word Mahdun Which means a cradle And you know it's interesting that this reinforces Sort of the theme that you often find uh, Which is that uh, uh, the earth is kind of like a mother earth Now this is not to be taken in some sort of shirky bizarre way Or it's not in some literal sense But in the sort of metaphorical sense of The same way that the rain goes into the earth And then it impregnates it And then you know the seed goes in as well And this produces light and so uh, this, this idea is, is reinforced in multiple places. And in fact, we'll talk about that later, this idea of, uh, you know, the, the sky sending its water and then the earth uh, producing its um, uh, vegetation and so forth. And so this, this theme of, you know, mahad, like the cradle, again, it sort of reinforces that idea. Allah Ta'ala says, uh, in a similar ayah, Allah says, الذي جعل لكم الأرض فراشا والسماء بناء وأنزل من السماء ماء فأخرج به من الثمرات رزقا لكم and he has uh, he Allah Taala is the one who made for you the earth a bed so similar to the concept of mihad you have firash a bed that is spread out and a seal and the sky as a ceiling and sent down from the sky rain and brought forth thereby fruits as provision for you and also Allah Taala describes the earth as what الذي جعل لكم الأرض مهدا so this is literally like the uh, bed spread out, or you could say cradle. Uh, it is he, Allah Ta'ala, who has made for you the earth as a bed spread out. So subhanAllah, this concept is uh, repeated throughout the Qur'an. And in fact, I'll mention one more. Allah says, وَالْأَرْضَ فَرَشْنَاهَا فَنِعْمَ الْمَاهِدُونَ And the earth, we have spread it out, and excellent is the preparer. Mahid, mahidun is from the same root letters of Mim, Ha, and Dal. Uh, mahidun, yeah, Allah Ta'ala is the best of those who you know, spread things out and prepare and make things ready for, uh, you could say, a place of comfort or rest. So then the question is, of course, why call the earth a bed? Well, in all these various ayat. Uh, because we rest in a bed, uh, but we know that we don't rest there forever. Eventually we must get up. And so the same concept is that I've made this dunya a comfortable world for you, a place of rest. And you could even say somewhat of a dream world. When you die, that's when you wake up. And just the same way you know you're going to be asleep, but you're going to wake up, just the same way you have that confidence that you're going to wake up in the morning, well, guess what? You will have to wake up from this dunya and realize that there is a, the real world, the eternal world, uh, the world of uh, recompense, which is the afterlife. It is inevitably coming. Furthermore, it's also, this term is used, why? Because the earth is a flat uh, uh, space, can refer to the fact that you have options. Life uh, is full of options. You can go in any direction you want. And this is reinforcing the idea that how can you doubt that there's going to be a judgment day that's going to differentiate between those who are good versus those who are bad when I literally made you in an environment where you can choose any direction. You could be the best version of yourself. You can be the worst version of yourself. You can go forward, backwards, up, down, left, right. You can go in all these different directions. The fact that you have options means that, uh, uh, subhanAllah, there's going to be the right way of doing things and the wrong way of doing things. And of course, uh, another meaning here is that it's a bed because, I mean, what do you think you're walking on? 
you're walking on a resting place of all the people that lived before you. This is the inevitable place, an inevitable place that you will die and be buried in. Every time you walk, right now I'm sitting here and perhaps, subhanAllah, there's people that are underneath me. And when I walked out to my car, inshallah, how many, how many graves will I have walked over? I have no idea. How many people lived before uh, us on this land or on different lands everywhere you go? There's probably uh, you know, people in their resting place everywhere you go. So that concept is there as well. Uh, the verb jada implies that the earth wasn't originally smoothed out, that Allah Ta'ala made it that way. This is one possible interpretation, that it was created with a rough surface originally, and then, of course, slowly but surely, Allah Ta'ala uh, caused it to smooth out. And we know that Allah Ta'ala did this through what? Through gravity. That's what gravity does. You have a jagged, let's say, uh, uh, you know, a structure or a thing <laughs> floating around in space, whether it be an asteroid, whether it be whatever, a planet, and obviously slowly but surely gravity breaks it down and causes it to become smooth, that everything's being pulled to the center evenly and equally. Uh, and this uh, is, uh, so the fact that this is used like this, this scientific fact should give credence to the notion that this book is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is similar to the ayah in which Allah says, And after that, he spread the earth out. He spread, uh, he spread the earth. In other words, he smoothing it out. And another possible message from this ayah, and this is, you could say, uh, you know, more implicit than explicit, but I still think it's an interesting concept, that if time made even the rough surface of the earth, this rough and crusty and jagged uh, uh, earth's, earth's surface, if, if time is what caused it to become smooth and accommodating for us to live upon, then why aren't you, O elders of Quraysh, who are listening to this message, right, why aren't you becoming more mature and more kind and more considerate with time and with age. And this is perfectly appropriate. Why? Because they were mocking the Prophet as if they were still in high school. They sound like a bunch of high school kids. Oh, he's a this and he's a that. They're giving him insulting labels and nicknames and asking childish questions. You know, oh, really? There's going to be a day of judgment? And Allah Ta'ala calls them out. They're asking about something serious, but they're asking like a bunch of kids. And, and so Allah Ta'ala is saying, don't you realize that this earth itself that I've given you as this beautiful, comfortable accommodation has been smoothed out over a long period of time due to, due to you know, being, existing for so long. So what about you? You're really elderly. You're supposed, to, you're supposed to become more refined with time. You're supposed to smoothen out with time, and yet you're still so immature. You could say this as a, uh, a bit of a, you know, um, a stretch, perhaps, but I still think the idea could be, uh, there could be a slight message there, and Allah knows best. And yes, as we mentioned, the earth is a resting place, meaning everywhere you walk, you're probably walking over the graves of decayed corpses, all those who died long ago. They're in their resting place. And the reminder to all of us that, uh, that walk on this earth, we're going to join them soon enough. So yeah, I mentioned that point. Then Allah Ta'ala says what? Wal-jibala And the mountains as pegs. So what is this implying? Well, when we look at these two back to back, the earth as this uh, resting place, uh, and this place that is comfortable and smoothed out for us, and then the uh, mountains as these stakes or pegs, um, uh, these are both questions, by the way, and the next one isn't a question. The next ayah isn't a question. So the context does change a little bit, despite the statements seeming to fit the exact same style. So that, that in and of itself is, is worthy of consideration. It seems interesting that the first two are questions, then Allah Ta'ala makes statements after that. Why is that the case? Allah uh, But it is curious to me. But anyway, what I do want to mention is that it seems to be highlighting opposites. Uh, and, and that's what you'll find as we go on. All these ayat that Allah Ta'ala is pointing to and saying, don't you notice this and that? You know, later on we're going to show in Shalatada that they seem to be complementing each other and showing somewhat opposites. So the smooth earth lets you choose any direction you want, and the mountains have these high peaks. So you know the earth is smooth, and you could say like on the lower level, and then there are these unique peaks that are you could say different. You know, lowlands versus highlands, if you will. And also, one is smooth, so you can walk as you wish, and the other, the, these uh, mountains, are to maintain stability. So there's lots of lessons here. One lesson is what. 
Don't you realize that the one who gave you stability in this world won't allow instability of injustice to continue indefinitely? As in, there, it must be a judgment day. I gave stability to this earth. Did I, not, did I not put these mountains in the earth to make it stable? Do you really think I'm going to allow you to do anything you want and create all sorts of instability and evil on the earth? Just the same way I made this earth stable, I will right all the wrongs that you have done and bring truth, justice, and stability to existence by what? Through Judgment Day. So it is a guarantee. That's another sort of implication. A question that could be implied by this is what? If Allah made is the one who made life stable, who are we to feel shaky about resurrection, right? I made this earth stable for you, and now you're questioning, I'm not really sure if you're capable or if you're competent enough to make a judgment day. I, I'm shaky about that. SubhanAllah, you're lucky this whole earth isn't shaky. I'm the one who put the mountains here to make it not shaky. How are you shaky, quote-unquote, or uh, uh, unsure about this judgment day? And then, of course, there is a comparison. There's one, some Mufassirin, they say, quite nicely, they say, how big is your bed, right? You know, how many feet is it? How wide is it? Obviously, it's only so big. Compare that to uh, uh, the bed that Allah Ta'ala has made. What's the, what's the bed that Allah has made? This whole earth he's made as a bed. You know? So implying what? Look at your creation versus my creation. I make this earth as a bed. Your bed is some tiny little nothing. And also, how big are your tent stakes for you to put in your tent into the ground to hold your tent in place, right? These little stakes you put in the ground. They're whatever, this big or that big, or whatever the case is, something small. Look at what I put in to create stability. I put in this, uh, these mountains. So how can you be arrogant in front of your master? So you could say the quote which says, uh, life is a long lesson in humility. SubhanAllah, these are, uh, you know, humbling us. And furthermore, in terms of the awtad, this word, it occurs three times in the Quran, coming from the, uh, from the singular, which is watad or watid, which is apeg, and then the plural is awtad, the plural. Um, and, of course, we should remember that, I'll just explain from a layman's perspective, that, uh, you know, we know that there are tectonic plates on the earth, and that these tectonic plates, they shift around, and when they rub against one another, they create earthquakes. Um, and sometimes they push towards each other, and that causes one to push down and the other to push up, and that is essentially how, again, this is my layman's, under, layman's uh, explanation, but to my understanding, this, the, the, the movement of these tectonic plates, when they push into each other, this is what creates a mound that goes up, and then the roots that go down, and that's essentially what a mountain is. These, uh, and what's interesting is that those roots that go down, and when they lock into each other, that's what creates stability so that there's less likelihood for there to be as severe uh, uh, earthquakes in those regions. Yes, there can still be earthquakes in those regions, but you will find they are less severe. Why? Because of that process. And this is exactly what Allah Ta'ala describes. And again, we have to remember that this was in no way known 1400 years ago, and yet Allah Ta'ala describes this when he says, And he has cast into the earth firmly set mountains, lest it shift with you. In other words, Allah is saying, this whole earth would have been much more unstable, much more shaking, and yet I put these mountains that I describe as awtad, as pegs. A peg is literally something that you put into the ground to make stability. So in multiple places, you're getting this concept that this is the function of the uh, uh, mountain, and this is uh, accurate according to geology, and Allah knows best. Then Allah says what? وَخَلَقَنَاكُمْ azwaja, And we created you in pairs. After mentioning the smoothed earth and the stabilizing mountains, both of which give peace externally, Allah Ta'ala then transitions to the two genders, which give each other peace internally. Obviously, 
Uh, every Adam is uncomfortable until he finds his Eve, right? <laughs> that every man and woman, they need each other and they complete each other. As Allah Ta'ala says, what? Allah says, and it is of his signs that he created for you from yourselves mates that you may find tranquility in them and he has placed between you affection and mercy. So this litaskunu, this sakina that we get internally from the spouses is now being contrasted or you could say is, is, is being uh, mentioned along with the fact that I've given you this external comfort, now take a look at the internal, um, subhanAllah. And also it's very curious to me and I can't say that I know fully why, obviously, you know, uh, we, can have, we can theorize, but I do find it very fascinating that the verb ja'ala is used over and over again in all these ayat. As we go forward, you'll see ja'ala is used many times to make something. Yet, the, this one time you find what? Allah says khalaqa to create uh, for the male and the female. Why? And so Allah, uh, we can't say for certain, but one hypothesis is that perhaps Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, uh, because he created human beings ex nihilo, as they say, or basically from nothing prior. This is uh, contrary to the, what the evolutionists say, which is that we all came from, uh, you know, uh, apes or whatever the case may be. They don't say it that way, but et cetera. They, they say that, uh, you know, we were, you know, descended from, uh, something humanoids, whatever the case may be. So where, but uh, Allah Ta'ala is saying, no, when it comes to human beings, we know the, the story of uh, creation when it comes to Adam it was something unique. It was that Allah Ta'ala took the turab, the earth, and breathed into it something new from himself, this, this, this ruh, this spirit that animated this human being. So this is something completely independent. And so it seems fitting that when it comes to the earth being smoothed out and when it comes to the formation of these mountains the verb ja'ala is being used over and over again to make something as in you're making something from something prior whereas then the human beings know khalaqa i'm you know fresh something new uh, that wasn't prior you know sort of building its way towards it and allah knows best so yes we say the male and the female this is the perspective of most mufassirin like al-baghawi and others they say that uh, uh, what azwaja we made you in pairs referring to the male and the female being made in pairs implies that humans were made with needs. Uh, we aren't sufficient on our own. We need to be made complete by finding our other half. This could be a way of introducing us to the idea of incompleteness. That's, uh, 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 that's starting with this idea of companionship. And so you find that you know, uh, the pairing could be a reference not just to male and female, but to many things. Uh, there's rich, there's poor, there's healthy, there's sick, there's strong, there's weak, there's leaders, there's followers, there's knowledgeable, there's ignorant people, there's intelligent, there's unintelligent. And perhaps all of these pairs are to remind you and to help the mind move towards what question? What does guided versus misguided look like? Because these disbelievers completely reject this notion, right? They're like, yes, I understand highlands versus lowlands. I understand up and down, left and right. You know, I understand that the world has these opposites. But when it comes to guided versus misguided, no, I reject that notion out of hand. And so, subhanAllah, this is challenging the human, you know, didn't I create everything in pairs? Allah is saying, you know, azwaja. Yes, there's the male and the female, but even bro- broader than that, there's male and f- there's there's the male and the female. And there's also opposites. There's there's pairing in all sorts of things. We created you in pairs. If Allah Subhanahu wa Taala allowed both good and evil to exist, this begs, of course, the question: Why allow for evil? The disbelievers begin to understand the necessity of Judgment Day to reward good and to punish the wicked, and that, of course, is again. Uh, feeding back to the major theme, they're asking about this judgment day. So you see how it's all connected. Then Allah says, وَجَعَلْنَا نَوْمَكُمْ subata," And we made your sleep a means of rest. We made your sleep a rest. 
Subat is a uh, ver- coming from the root verb of sabata yesbitu sabtan fahuwa sabitun, which means to, it can mean a number of things. It can mean to enter into the Sabbath, right? Sabbath being Saturday, right? And that was, you know, historically the day of rest uh, for the Yehud. So that's why, for the Jews, that's why it's called the Sabbath, uh, Yom Sabt, the, the, and the Sabbath. You can see the connection of the, of the sounds. And it can also mean, sabata ya'ni al-qatr. It can mean to cut off. Why? Because when you cut yourself off from work, you're doing what? You're resting. That's what they do. They rest on that day. They cut themselves off from work. Or when you're sleeping, you're cutting yourself off from consciousness. Your, 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 your soul basically cuts off and goes and explores, subhanAllah, this alim uh, al-arwah, the world of the soul, subhanAllah. And you have very strange and interesting dreams. And also, another meaning of sabata uh, uh, is what? To extend. To extend out. And why is that the case? Because when a person wants to rest, they lie down and they extend their bodies out. They lie down, they extend, and that is part of rest. So you can see how all these concepts are tied together. There is one other meaning, which is to untie. You can say you're tied up, and it's to untie. It's like, you know, you're untying yourself, you're letting yourself rest. And I find that very interesting. Later on, we'll talk about how there's another word that's connected to tying versus untying of braided hair. So I'll mention that later, inshallah. But I just find it fascinating. Anyhow, with regards to sleep, we all know that a human being typically requires somewhere between six to eight hours of sleep on average. Of course, some people are different, but that's usually the case. And the reason I mention that is because that means that we spend uh, somewhere between a quarter to a third of your life asleep. A quarter to a third of your life asleep, subhanAllah. Something really remarkable always needs to be reminded. And if you experience the minor death and resurrection every single day, why is Judgment Day so incomprehensible? Allah is saying... Didn't we make for you? And we made for you sleep as a rest. Don't you remember you pass out every night and then I bring you back? Like you're really doubting Judgment Day? If you experience getting cut off from life every night, why aren't you preparing for the inevitable, permanent cutting off, as in death? I mean, subhanAllah, think about it. Can you stop yourself from sleeping? No. No matter how much you try to stay awake, no matter how many (laughs) coffees you slam, or whatever the case is, you will eventually lose consciousness. So you can't stop this thing from happening. You will pass out. And then, can you wake yourself up? And the answer is no. You just have to wake up whenever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows you to wake up. You just wait, and then hopefully you wake up. Right? Sometimes you say, oh, set alarm. And you miss your alarm. So subhanAllah, you don't know that you'll wake up. And obviously we know, we all know that there are cases of people who they go to bed, they never wake up again. People die in their sleep. So you pass out. And you can't stop yourself from sleeping, and you can't make yourself wake up. This should instill some humility and make you realize that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in full control to take our lives and to revive, revive us on Judgment Day, and we should have no doubt in that. Allah ta'ala says, Allah says, And it is he who has made the night for you as a clothing, and sleep a means of rest, and has made the day a resurrection. So the fact that Allah says that the daytime is like a resurrection is really clearly reminding you that every single day you lose consciousness and you wake back up. And this is the minor form of death. So why are you doubting? Why are you not preparing for this inevitable journey that you have to take? And uh, yes, the last part, the last previous verse talked about pairing, right, of the male and the female, uh, azwaj. And there's a reminder that uh, the awake world we have a lot more understanding of, but then there's the dream world, and the, which we have lots, a lot less understanding of. And so you have to study it and understand what happens uh, you know, when you finally take that long sleep, when you finally die. What's coming next, you have to take that very seriously. And what's also interesting, I think this is really uh, uh, very cute, you could say, is that both of them have to do with tranquility. I made you in pairs, the male and the female, you find tranquility in one another. I gave you rest, sleep, time, so that you can have tranquility. And what's even more interesting is that 
when do you usually find that the male and the female, after a long day, come together at night and, you know, uh, you know, we'll huh, X-rate it, we'll call it, right? Uh, they, they get to come together, they find comfort and love with one another, and then what happens right after that, you pass out. Like that's, you know, typical couple, you know, after a long day, nighttime is for the intimacy, and then of course right after that is sleep. So putting them together seems really quite beautiful. And yes, of course, when a person extends himself, we should see how it connects to the next ayah. When a person extends himself and lays out flat, you're more vulnerable. And furthermore, when a person is unconscious and unaware of your surroundings, you're also more vulnerable. So then the question is, if I'm in such vulnerability, what's going to happen next? Well, Allah says that I gave you the night as a cover, right? Which is the exact next ayah. So you can hide during that time, staying inconspicuous. Hence, Allah Ta'ala is saying in the very next ayah that, وَجَعَلْنَا اللَّيْلَ libasa, And I've made the night as a clothing for you. And you can also look at this like almost like a shielding. Wallahu Ta'ala A'lam. A very similar ayah is uh, we talked about in Surah Layl, ayah number one. وَاللَّيْلِ إِذَا yagsha By the night as it covers. So this concept of a libas, a covering, you see that this uh, theme is repeated. Night is a covering, hence why, why, unfortunately, very nefarious activities do take place at night because under the shadow or under the cover of nighttime, people do all sorts of bad things. But also, we need sleep. And Allah Ta'ala has made the night to suit our needs because sleeping at uh, night is more su- suitable and energizing than during the daytime. Yes, of course, an exhausted human being can sleep during the bright conditions. I'm sure we've, we've all passed out during the daytime, taken a nap. That's possible. Yet Allah Ta'ala made the time for rest dark to facilitate our comfort and our rest. This is one of the many great blessings of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala that we often overlook. Privacy is a blessing from Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. Darkness, this comfort is a blessing of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. And also we should remember that night is also a cover for private matters. Like for example, nighttime, usually people go home, spend time with their family and friends, have dinner together, uh, have intimate conversations with their family members and friends and kids and so forth. And of course, like I said a moment ago, romance with one's spouse. Uh, uh, now, unfortunately, some foolish people look at this ayah and think to themselves, hmm, Allah said, libasa." The night is as a clothing. And so they thought that praying while naked is permissible at night because night is your clothing. It's your libas. So khalas, I'm, I have my libas, it's nighttime. The fact is, our fiqh requires a person who is able to, obviously, if, you do, if you're unable, you're unable, but as long as you're able to wear clothes, you're supposed to wear clothes while praying, uh, whether it's during the day or the night. So you can't use this. Um, this is a, maybe one day we'll talk about this in more detail, but muhkam uh, versus mutashabih, right? Yes, of course, this is a possible interpretation. So you could say it's part of the mutashabih. It's part of, it's part of the wide array of possibilities. But there are muhkam statements that make it impermissible. Like you have to wear clothes, right? So you can't, and Allah Ta'ala mentions that those who, people who have a sickness in their heart, they will look to a possible meaning to squeeze in whatever weird interpretation they want while ignoring the explicit clear, clear cut things just so that they can, you know, uh, twist scripture, twist in the way that they wish. So obviously, yes, this is a possible meaning, but there are clear-cut ahkam and rulings that make it impossible. So we say, even though you could look at it that way, it's invalid. So I hope that's clear why and how, subhanAllah, how beautiful fiqh works and uh, how this ayah of the Qur'an in Surah uh, Ali Imran specifies that only sick people would try to look for weird meanings and uh, justify their weird ideas while ignoring the clear-cut ahkam, uh, muhkamat. Uh, clear-cut verses. Anyway, moving on. Uh, One of the clear indications, unfortunately, that Muslim countries nowadays are not applying this ayah uh, is that, unfortunately, uh, anybody who's lived in a Muslim country, you'll find that many people are awake all night and they sleep during the day. Uh, I've seen, you know, in Muslim countries, unfortunately, you'll find that, um, even you'll find what's really bizarre is that the Muslims will be awake all night 
Uh, you'll see like uh, aunties hanging out in like a park at like midnight and 1 a.m. and their kids are playing on swings. And you're like, when's the kid going to go to sleep? Like, this is weird. Meanwhile, the non-Muslims that live in that same country, their kids only play during the daytime and they're all asleep at night. And what does that mean? That means they're more productive. And subhanAllah, Allah is saying, we made the night, you know, we made sleep as a rest and the night as a covering. This is a subtle implication that you should be sleeping at night and you should not be awake all night. You're less productive that way. And I found it very sad that, you, you know, you can go to many different cities in the Western world and you'll find that even big major cities, oftentimes in the middle of the night, it's very quiet. It's very, very quiet. The streets are empty, essentially, with a you know, few exceptions of people driving around. But in Muslim countries, you'll often find, not every city, but many cities, even in the middle of the night, traffic, people are hustling and bustling and awake. And honestly, you know that that means that during the daytime, they'll be less productive. It's just impossible to be productive in both. And so we should remember the hadith, li ummati fi bukuriha, that, uh, that my ummah is blessed in its early morning. We should be productive by sleeping at night, waking up in the morning. I know some people ask the question, are you saying it's haram to work a night shift? I'm saying... Islam, uh, you know, there, you have the imperative to do what is healthy for your body, right? You're supposed to respect your own body and do what is healthy. That's why there are no hadith about smoking, but you're not supposed to smoke. It's haram. Why? Just because it's bad for your body. So in, the, in a similar fashion, I'm not going to give a fatwa and say haram, this or that. I'm just going to say, try not to, if you can, avoid working the night shift, if you can. Why? Because it's not good for your mental health. It's better for you, in general, to sleep at night and being awake during the day. That's the best thing for your mental health. So you should try to abide by that to the best of your ability. Ibn Mas'ud, he has a very funny quote. He says, what? He has some advice for the insomniac. You know, some people, they say, I'm an insomniac. I can't sleep at all. I can't sleep. I'm going crazy. Okay, fine. Take Ibn Mas'ud's advice. He says, he says, going to sleep during dhikr comes from shaitan. You know, you're making adhkar, saying subhanAllah, alhamdulillah, and you pass out, that's from shaitan. <laughs> right? Because shaitan doesn't want you to get the hasanat of making adhkar. So he says what? If you like, you can put this to the test. Jarribu, try it out. I'm, 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 I'm testing you. Go ahead, try it out. When one of you goes to bed and wants to sleep, he should mention the name of Allah Almighty. In other words, oh, I can't sleep, I can't sleep. Okay, good. Lie down on your bed and say, subhanAllah, a hundred times. Alhamdulillah, a hundred times. La ilaha illallah, a hundred times. The guy won't even get through ten. <laughs> subhanAllah. Yeah, subhanAllah. Allahumma sallallahu alayhi wa sallam alayhi wa Muhammad. Astaghfirullah. Boom, he's out. And subhanAllah, it's really quite funny. And that's the way it works. Uh, this is a hadith in Adab al-Mufrad. Um, and it's an authentic hadith. So anyway, subhanAllah, I thought that was quite funny and something you try out. And inshallah, with that, we will close. Barakallah fikum. May Allah Ta'ala make us of those who appreciate these ayat. May Allah Ta'ala make us of those who take advantage of the night and uh, take advantage of the daytime. May Allah Ta'ala make us of those who appreciate his ayat and his signs in the earth, uh, in the mountains, and in the creation of rest and sleep and in also the nighttime. Jazakallah khair. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.